Welcome oh, back to N3 Talks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, uh, so if we're doing your N3 mm-hmm. Talks. Uh, so we, as we did last week, part one, you talked about South By, your experience as a WeDC mm-hmm. ambassador at the South By. Anything you would like to add within uh, the last week that you've thought about that you missed out on? I missed out on... Um, I think that because I had to go back and forth between the WDC house and try to go to other events, there were some situations where there were people at the WDC house that were looking to talk to me, but I was at some other diversity inclusion or some other entrepreneurship event on the other side. And it was with all the traffic and walking, it easily would take about 45 minutes, half hour to 45 minutes to go from one place to another. So there were possible networking opportunities. I didn't. I was able to kind of follow up with some folks, but that that, that would be my one kind of concern. Okay, and uh, are you you'll be following up with some I've of been the following people? Up. Be pinging I, you yes. Spe- specifically the um, the tech done right announcement mm-hmm. by Kapoor. Uh, by my Kapoor Center was actually announced at the WDC house. Oh, interesting. What is the program? <laughs> this is the um, the tech done right. The okay. the grant the hundred million dollar. So the $1 million grant that they actually just announced today that's accepting applications. And what's the purpose of that grant? purpose of the grant is to support ecosystem builders and identify people in major cities that are working on ways to build out the ecosystem supporting under-resourced entrepreneurs, but specifically collaborating within the ecosystem. As opposed to being an individual contributor, they're finding ways to collaborate um, to kind of help grow the overall ecosystem. Oh, wonderful. That's a great segue for the inclusive uh, innovation lab that you just launched. And today mm. is the first day uh, for participants mm. to, yes. to come and attend the first uh, introductory mm. orientation program. So talk. let's talk about why you're doing the innovation lab. Why well, I'm doing it, it. A lot of these things are validations, right? So through Clearly Innovative Inc., when we first started, we were giving away a lot of free services. Um, entrepreneurs would come to us with business plans that weren't fully baked, they hadn't thought about marketing strategies, they hadn't really done, they were, because that was about almost 10 years ago, right? So at that point, it was just a gold rush. Everyone was like, I need to have an app, I need to have an app, I need to have an app. They didn't really think about why I need to have an app and what I want this app to solve. And so in the beginning, when we started Clearly Innovative, we were just taking the money. <laughs> it was a small business, we needed to eat, so anybody who came, we would just build their apps. Uh, but then as you know, you started to hit the bottom, where it was a race to the bottom for who could build the app the cheapest, we were like, all right, we have to figure out how we can move more, instead of being transactional, but relational. So it's like, how can I add value to you and what you're doing? And how can, so then when I ask you to pay me for this, you feel like you're getting more than just a developer, you're getting kind of some more services with it. Um, I think we swung too far to the other side, where we were just giving away entirely too many ideas, you know, consulting services and stuff, and weren't being compensated for it. But it, it, it made it clear that there was a gap in the ecosystem that needed to be filled, that there were honestly mostly diverse entrepreneurs who were coming to us. We used to say we were the lender of last resort um, for, for people of color from a te- technical capital perspective. And so we saw a lot of these folks coming through who, who needed more than just the developer. Right? So now here we are with Inclusive Innovation Lab, and we're, we're able to provide kind of the best of both worlds. So. The idea, is, like I'm saying, is we're trying to tech-enable this business process where you come in, just like these other entrepreneurs would come to us in the past and say, hey, I need this mobile app built or I need this website built. 
And what we say is, all right, let's step back. Why do you need it built? Kind of what is your business model around this? Have you identified your customer segment? Have you figured out kind of how you're going to market it? Have you figured out how you're going to support it? Like all these other things around the business side before we even say, all right, now here's how you build it. So what we're going to do is we're going to take them through that normal process and ask them the right questions and kind of force them to kind of think deeply about what they're doing. But we're also going to help them understand how they would build it out. And um, what challenges do you believe that underserved participants, aside from understanding the business side of it, from the technical side of it, what challenges do you think that you anticipate? There's just, there's just things that I will say that I know or that other people that kind of live this know that if you're not from that side of the fence, for lack of a better word, you just don't know. Like, uh, I remember when we first started with this whole... Um, so you want to build a mobile app webinar that we used to run. Um, everyone that we met who was talking about building an app would always talk about, oh, I'm going to hire this guy to build my back end. Right? There was always this assumption that I need to hire this database guy and I need to hire either Ruby or PHP guy. I need to build out my back end before they even did their front end. Well, there's services online that can do all that for you. There's no need to pay for that anymore. Um, and since most of these entrepreneurs are, have financial constraints, you know, our goal is to identify technical solutions that these entrepreneurs can leverage to get their app up and running. And then as they grow and scale and make more money, you know, then if you feel like there's a unique or a, if there's a business reason why you should build out your own back end, then make the investment and build out the back end. Otherwise, I'm certain there's other things you can do with that money. So in terms of the, um, the entrepreneur that is going to participate at this inclus inclusive innovation lab, what do you uh, expect them to gain from this experience? Because it's going to be a three weeks workshop. Um, if you could just give us a little bit of what the, the programming would look like and at the same time what the outcome would be. Okay. So the programming, I believe we're starting with the um, business model canvas, business design of your business. Um, I don't know what we're doing next, but, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know the exact order, but the other topics we're covering, we're definitely covering UI, UX. Um, we are covering sales. We're covering some organizational issues. We're covering marketing and we're covering some legal aspects also. And you'll be providing some mentorship program and one-on-one yes. -on -one consulting for some of them. Why do you believe that there is an important factor to bring mentors that are in the same space as these entrepreneurs or that can complement these entrepreneurs' need that uh, you included in this inclusive innovation lab? Well, well, there's two things. I think sometimes we found that entrepreneurs are afraid to ask questions with a whole bunch of other people in the room. There's this fear of, of being wrong or, or I, I don't know what it is, I guess. I've been wrong a lot of times. I've just gotten past being wrong. But so we want to give them that ability to feel like this person cares specifically about them, specifically about their problem, has some domain expertise that can address their, you know, address what their issues are. Um, so that's why I think the mentorship is important. I also think that um, too often, in I will too often um, there's this disconnect between these entrepreneurs and. I will say more experienced business people, right? And one of the things that I, that I always say when, when we started here and people would ask me about um, technology and business, I'd say at the end of the day, a business is a business. A technical business is still a business. Mm -hmm. And I think, 
I think we're moving back towards that understanding, but I think in the past four, people thought, oh, I built an app, I have a business. No, you have an app. And there's millions of apps. You, you, that's not a business, it's just an app, right? And so you could build the best app in the world, but if you don't understand kind of the business around supporting that application, you're just another person who built a mobile app. So um, there's value in bringing mentors, even if they don't have specific technical understanding, bringing their business experience to the table to kind of enhance what you're attempting to do with your web or mobile solution. And you've also included a package for three, Treehouse. Could you talk yeah. about, about about Treehouse and why the need to do a strategic partnership with Treehouse to provide it to the entrepreneur participants? So uh, two things. Um, one, I believe it's important to support people that support the same initiatives that you support. Um, and the work that Treehouse is doing around um, providing training and apprenticeships for folks among the resource communities, I think, is, is uh, kind of aligned with some of the same goals that we have. Two, I think that um, there are specific curriculums that we should invest our time and energy into building, but at, at other times, it's best to just leverage what's, what resources are already available. Uh, Treehouse has a curriculum around uh, starting a business, which covers a lot of the topics that we cover, and I think uh, giving the students access to this content as uh, complementary materials, I think, is great. Um, and then also, people people learn different ways, right? They'll pick up some stuff from sitting in the class and being lectured and working with their mentors, but sometimes people just want to sit and stare at a video and listen to it and rewind it, fast forward it. And so whatever we could do to help increase the probability of successful outcome with the entrepreneur, I think we should try our best to do. Beautiful. So one of the uh, things that you have always echoed is you believe that you don't need to be a computer scientist um, to be a, in, in the technology space. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. I believe that, so what I always say is if you go to Google or you go to Apple, I bet if you sliced up the roles or jobs that exist there, there's probably a lot of people doing stuff at these companies that don't write a single line of code. Right? And so if we narrowly, this is kind of one of my beefs I have about this whole STEM thing, right? If we narrowly define, too often we, we define working in a tech industry with STEM, right? And it's just not true. And, and for, folks, for folks from communities that don't have a lot of exposure to these opportunities, they're just hearing tech, they equate tech to STEM, they self-select out. Right, And so by, by me saying that you don't need to know how to code or don't necessarily be a tech person to work in, I'd, I'd like to say the innovation economy, for lack of a better word, um, creates the opportunity at least for people to um, investigate or inquire about potentially you know, what career paths are for them. So for example, we, we're saying for Inclusive Innovation Lab, for this kind of cohort, we're focusing on tech-enabled businesses. Right. Um, there's some businesses in the cohort that the people running it don't have to know anything about coding. But to leverage scale, grow their business, access their customers, they need some technology, right? They're in the tech ecosystem. <laughs> Indeed, and one of the uh, workshops will be focusing on UI, UX, and mm -hmm. understanding the technical aspect of it. You, uh, given the, your background, you have also included in the workshop. Mm -hmm. So the an app is a product versus a business, computer scientist versus a programmer. Elaborate a little bit about that because I see a lot of parallel between those two. So um, 
I don't think I'm a computer scientist, <laughs> but I have a computer science degree. Right. Um, I don't think I could write software to launch a rocket. I have no desire to write software to launch a rocket. I think that there's this kind of spectrum of software development, software engineering, software architects, um, that too often we expect everyone to get here, right? That's the goal. We go to school and you get trained to be a software engineer. Well, what if I just want to build websites, right? There's tons of jobs, opportunity, money, just building websites, let me break it down, just building a WordPress website, right? Yeah. Do I really need to be a computer scientist to build WordPress websites, mm. right? I would argue you don't. Yeah. And I would argue that even if, even if I want to become a computer scientist eventually, there's nothing wrong with me starting out as a web developer, mm. right? And then, so I get a job as a web developer, I build websites, I become more exposed and more aware of opportunities that exist in you know the tech field. And then at that point I say, hey, maybe I want to learn a little bit more. Maybe I do want to be a computer scientist now. But if I start with the premise you're a computer science or nothing, it's I just don't think that's the right approach. And that's why I, I kind of have a little bit of a, a I don't want to say beef, but a little bit of a um, uh, mental challenge <laughs> around computer science degree programs in universities because it's like why do I have to be a computer scientist to learn about computers mm -hmm. or actually forget about computers why do I have to be a computer scientist to learn how to program right. right can I get a certificate degree in some base level of programming or can I can I minor in programming I don't want to minor in computer science I want to minor in programming mm -hmm. right can I do that to augment some other career path or some other degree program that I'm after right now it's really hard, hard to do that one of the things that you've done that I know of is that you recruit young individuals or even a little bit older that have very little experience in programming, got them into your company, trained them, challenged them into programs, and then now are somewhat at a higher level mm -hmm. of programming. Why did you do that? Because uh, I couldn't afford to hire developers initially. <laughs> That's the primary <laughs> reason I couldn't afford it. But actually what I found after a while was that um, sometimes if you've gone through computer science, well, let me start this way. I have a computer science degree. There's nothing wrong with a computer science degree. If you want a computer science degree, go get one. Right? <laughs> right. However, um, sometimes there's a creative way of thinking that that can be blocked if you go down a path of a pure computer science degree. Because there... You, you don't kind of have that, it's, it's almost like they say how sometimes how little kids can be very creative because they don't know what they can and cannot do, right? Mm -hmm. There's no box that they put in, there's no constraints. Um, so if you bring a person in who doesn't really know that much about computer science, hasn't kind of gone through that, that kind of boot camp okay. training pipeline or whatever, um, they, they, they bring a different perspective on the problems, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that different perspective, I believe, allows us to provide better solutions for our clients mm -hmm. because they're not looking at it as I'm solving a technical problem. They're looking at I'm solving a business problem and there's this cool thing I just learned, coding, that I'm going to use to solve this business problem. Mm -hmm. So just segueing towards different perspectives. Mm -hmm. One of the things that today when we met, you, were, um, you introduced mm -hmm. me to this gaming platform from Google mm. that they just launched apparently. Talk to us about this because some, this is something that you've planted mm. in my head and I've been reading about it. So 
Talk to us about I mean, this I industry think, and... I mean, I think if you just look at the pure numbers, I think in the presentation we saw, what is it, like 50 billion... Yeah, hours. 50 billion hours of people watching gaming content on YouTube. So yeah. that's just people watching it, and right? Yeah. I would argue that those people watching it probably also are playing it. Mm -hmm. um, they spoke about how... Um, they're integrating technology that will allow you while you're in the middle of playing a game and you get stuck while you're still in the game instead of doing what most people normally do is you're playing the game you can't figure out how to solve the puzzle you pause the game you take out your phone you kind of google it you find a walkthrough and then you go back and play the game they're integrating that at once they're creating kind of this full circle of now I'm on Google's platform playing a video game using Google's technology I'm using Google Assistant to figure out the answer and Google Assistant is going to drive me to Google's YouTube to watch more video content that Google's probably running ads on, getting paid for, to find the answer to go back and play Google's game again. Um, it's it's just mind-boggling how just just watching that video, there's like about to be a huge shift in the gaming industry. I think that um, when um, who is it like Steam had a kind of console that was trying to stream games, and a bunch of other people have, have tried it, but I think the the experience that Google has with running data centers, and they have data centers scattered all over the world, they know how to efficiently process data, they know how to efficiently stream this stuff efficiently. They're able to kind of bring a level of skill and understanding kind of to the whole ecosystem that I don't know if anybody ever even thought about it that mm -hmm. way, right? Now, I know that Microsoft's moving into the cloud space and they have Azure and they have all this other stuff, but I don't know if they, like Google, I don't want to say Google is the cloud, but Google has, I mean, they bring a lot of experience to the table. Um, and it, I think I saw a number that said they spent like $140 billion kind of investigating this and heading down this path. And it seems like they very quickly like just jumped in and made a huge splash in the industry. And I'm curious to see today kind of going online and reading the articles to see how, you know, how is Xbox going to respond? How is... Um, how is PlayStation going to respond? How, like, how are the other players going to respond to this? Yeah, because one of the things that you, when we were talking about this whole Stadia, is that what Yes, sta uh, Stadia, S-T-A-D-I-A, I believe it is. Yeah, so they have also created, uh, because we were, well, you were mm -hmm. telling me a little bit more than debating it, but mm -hmm. in regards to the gaming, because some are specifically to, for one console yes, versus yes. the others. But then immediately throughout the, the show, they had this, uh, this the, the presentation, they created their own studio and entertainment, uh, gaming yes. and entertainment. So, do you believe that this is going to, they're going to dominate in the space versus all the other platforms? I think that uh, it, it's so funny because we're talking about tech and we still go back to the same thing. I think content is king again, right? So, if you think about it, that's what they say about TV, that's what they say about newspapers, that's what they say about everything. It all comes back down to content. Mm -hmm. And so now Google has the platform. And then now they're going to try and own the content space too. Um, some of the tools that they showed and that they say they're going to be announcing, it's going to make it very compelling for other content providers to say, hey, instead of me trying to figure out how to work on these various platforms, why don't I just go to Google and figure out how to work on Google's platform? And then through the streaming technology, they can get to all of my potential customers instead of me saying, oh, I have to cater this specifically to Xbox. I got to figure out how to get this on Nintendo. I got to figure out how to get this on Sony. Oh, I got to figure out how to make it work on PCs. All that stuff is gone. If I can figure out how to just make it on Google's cloud platform, then I could open up my phone, my PC, basically anything, and just stream the game down and play it. 
it so they make it easy for the consumer and the users. Yes, they they give it easy for the consumer and for the content providers to create mm -hmm. content to put on the platform. Oh, beautiful. So uh, we're done for today, mm -hmm. but we'll definitely come back with more uh, technology. If you have anything else to say mm -hmm. to wrap up, it would be great. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Lovely.